Uh, I count it a privilege to be able to stand before you this morning. Um, a couple, three weeks ago, if you were in Sister Carol's Sunday school class, you heard her say something that prompted me to go up and share an outline for her I had in my Bible, and I've had it in there for some time. And I, I, I keep an outline and some things. It's a way to study God's Word. I love to study it. And this particular outline had been in my Bible for some time, and it, went, and it really went in with what she was talking about. So I shared it with her, and she said, well, will you share it with the Sunday school class? And I did. So if you've been, you were in my Sunday school class a couple weeks ago, this, you get to get this twice. If you're in Brother Morris's class, it'll be new to you. If you're not coming to Sunday school, start coming to Sunday school. Okay? So, but what she had said was she said that she had had a friend who had recently come up to her and had had a tragedy in her life. And she began to talk about how uh, God was punishing her. Something was going on with her children. She said, you know, I believe God's punishing me for being disobedient or something she had done in her life. And that prompted a discussion in our Sunday school class about making sure that we know who we are as the children of God. I think that's very important. I, I, I get the opportunity to listen to a lot of, uh, there's a network here, it's 10.30 a.m., it's 105.5 FM, it's called the Truth Network. And I get a chance, if I'm at my desk, I, I can listen. And I get to listen to a lot of different pastors. I listen to J.D. Greer from the Summit Church uh, at 10, and J, um, Chad Harvey from First Assembly uh, in Raleigh comes on at 10.30, and uh, there's R.C. Sproul, and there's Michael Youssef. And I get to listen to all these men of God teach and preach from time to time. And I heard uh, J.D., uh, Chad Harvey said this one time. He said he was speaking with a psychologist, a prominent psychologist in Raleigh, and he's, and he's a Christian. And he said one of the biggest things that people come in with Christians is they don't know who they are in God or they think they've lost their salvation or they think they've done something to make God angry and that's why things are happening in their life. And I had this, so I had prompted me to do this outline sometime back and I, I want to share it with you. And part of the problem is I think God being a spirit-filled Pentecostal church, I was raised in it. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. They're still for us today. I've had prophecy spoken over me before that I knew was for me. I don't want to be in a church where that's, where that's not allowed. Tammy and I, when we started visiting, looking for a new church, we, we visited several churches. And Pentecostals don't have, the, uh, we don't have the stronghold on who's going to heaven. You believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior and you've made him Lord of your life, it doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Presbyterian or, or, or Methodist, heaven's your home. But I thank God I want to be in a church where the gifts are allowed to move where we believe in the Spirit of God, where people believe in the value of prayer for today. But on that note, we as Pentecostals sometime, since we do believe in, in, in the Spirit of God and the power of God, and we also believe in Satan. And you know, George Barna recently did a, did a study. George Barna does studies for, on Christian issues. And what he said is that 60% of evangelical Christians don't believe Satan exists. Now that's shocking. But I believe there's an enemy of my soul, and there's an enemy of your soul. And he wants to steal and kill and destroy you. But along those same thoughts, if we're not careful, what we have to have a tendency to do as, as Pentecostals is over-spiritualize everything. We do. We're all guilty of it. We, we do that. It starts with some of the things we say about church. And I, I, I say, I've said this before, you've said it, and, it, and we say it in jest as part of our church lingo, but how many have you have got up to come to church or go somewhere for some type of service and you had a flat tire, your car wouldn't start, or you didn't feel well, your kids aggravated you to death, and you said, you know what, that devil was after me this morning. We've all done it. And you, I'm like Brother Michael, you can disagree with me on this, but 
when it comes to things like that, folks, I, I don't know that the devil had anything to do with that. It's just part of life's journey. Okay? Life is coming at us as believers just like it comes at the non-believers. It's just a matter of how we cope with it. Who walks beside us as we deal with it. And so I thought it was important, and it prompted a discussion, like I said, it, for us to know who we are. Because what ends up happening, if we follow that line of thinking too much, and, and don't get me wrong, I want, to, I want you to make something clear here. All struggle, all sin, all the things that we deal with in life are part of a, the original sin problem. Genesis three sixteen through 19 says this. This is what Adam said. This is what God said to Eve first. He said, to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. Now, it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For, for, you, for dust you are, and dust you will return. Now, here, here's, here's in, our, in our lingo, here's what I think God was saying to Adam. Congratulations, Adam, you just bought yourself the grind of life. I mean, how many of you know, listen, God's been good to me, and I can tell you right now at the stage of life I'm in, and I'll probably be true of many of you, there's not a crisis in my life right now. Now, I don't know what the future holds for me, but for right now, God's blessed me. My kids, I'm healthy. My kids are healthy. Uh, we're, we're, we're okay financially. Many of the things that people struggle with, we're, we're okay with. But, but how many of you know this, that you get up and you go to work and you try to balance work and life and church and finances and, and your children and all the things of life, and sometimes it can just flat become a grind. And that in itself at times can just be a burden. And that's, I think that's what God was saying to Adam. Adam, you walked with me in the cool of the night. You didn't have to work for anything. You had it made. But because of that original sin fall there, the grind of life and death and sin and all the things that we deal with in life today as believers entered mankind at that point. So having said that, all the things that we deal with are part of a bigger issue, sin issue. But not every little thing that we deal with as believers is because God's angry with us always happy with us and, and and we have to get that right because if you don't it'll make you neurotic now now listen i do believe i do believe that god disciplines his children and i do believe in the law of reaping and sowing i believe in those things but at the same time and every time things going things are going pretty good and well in my life now so god he must be pleased with me and then all of a sudden a crisis hits and i'm running god what have i done what have i done to make you angry and that's just not the nature of our heavenly father as sons and daughters of a living God, he loves us. And life's going to come at us. Matter, matter of fact, Matthew 5, 45 says this. Jesus was speaking at Sermon on the Mount. He was talking about loving your enemies. He said that, that, you, may be the sons, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. That's where he was talking about loving your enemies. But he goes on to say, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Life is going to be good to us at times. Life is going to be tough on us as believers at times. But if you believe this or you struggle with this, you're in good company. Because it, in John 9, 2 through 3, the disciples thought this, must have thought this very same thing. 
Because he was a blind man. He'd been blind since birth. And his disciples came up to Jesus, and this is what they said. They said his disciples asked him, said, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus said this. He said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in your life. They believe kind of like we do if we're not careful, that we see something going on in our life that's just not good, or we see something going on in someone else's life that's not good. Somebody must have done something. Somebody must have made a mistake. Somebody must have made God mad. And Jesus said, none of that. This happened that the power of God might be displayed in his life. So point number one for us as believers today, if there's an issue, if there's something you're struggling with in your life, don't look at this thing, is, is God happy with me? Is he pleased with me? Have I made him angry? But he wants to display his power in your life. He wants to change that thing. He can change it supernaturally. If it's a, if it's a sickness you're in, he can heal you instantly. But he may not. He may bring you through that. I don't understand why Brother Junius has been so sick and struggle with that. I don't understand many of the, I know many of you personally, some of the trials of life you face. I don't know why you face those. And I'm sure at times you don't know why you face those. But I know this. You trust in him and his power will be displayed in your life through it. Not because he's angry. and Not because you made him, you pleased him or you displeased him. But much of it is just our journey. As a matter of fact, Jesus our Lord in John 16, 33 says this. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. So he made a promise that you're going to have some problems here. But he's dealt with those things. He'll walk along beside you. The heart of my text comes from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And it reads like this. It says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. The Greek word for temptation in that is also testing. can also be a test or a testing. And that's the interpretation I'd like to use here. It says, no testing has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he, he also will provide a way out so that you can stand under it. No test has seized you but what is common to man. I mentioned that many of you have, have experienced what it is to be seized by life. I look around in this church, and I, I know what many of you have dealt with, and there's been times you, I've got to believe that you felt seized by life. I think about Brother Steve Holder when they got that phone call about Derek being involved in that wreck. That seized life, didn't it, Steve? I know it did. And many of you received doctor's reports and things, and all of a sudden your life has turned upside down, and it's been seized by a set of circumstances. The doctor's reports, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, I had a friend of mine, that I, a childhood friend of mine that I had a chance to have lunch with this, this week. And um, he was uh, talking about a guy who lived his dream. He, he, he loved the WWE, if you will, style of wrestling. And, and I remember as a little boy him running around and, and faking like he's banging his head on the wall and falling over and all this stuff. But this, this guy's name is Chuck Coates. He went on to make a living doing that. And he, was a, he, he wrestled some of the big names. He, he's proud he wrestled Andre the Giant, if you all remember him. That, that goes way back now. Some of you may not know who Andre the Giant was, but he wrestled Andre the Giant, but he was telling me, he's my age, he's probably two years younger, he's probably 46, but at 38 years old, he had a, a wrestling event in the state of Virginia, and he had to go have a doctor. He had to have a physical to, have, uh, to, to wrestle there. So he goes there, and the doctors notice a little something right here, and here he is. He's 38. He's a big guy. 
And I'm hoping to get him to come tell our testimony here at the church because he loves God. He's a good Christian guy, and he shares his journey with this, with how, where God's brought him in this. And Jay said, you know what? You got cancer. And he said, I'll never forget what he said, and he didn't even know I was preparing this message. He said, it stopped me in my tracks. At 38 years old, healthy, living life, everything's going great, and the doctor says you have cancer, that will stop you in your tracks, and it will change your priorities. And it changed his. And so there are things in life that seize us. But there's, there's three things I'd like for you to keep in mind when you think about how life seizes us when they come along. And first is don't judge others and don't assume like the disciples that someone must have sinned for them to be where they are. For you personally, don't think that you've done something wrong and all of a sudden you're dealing with this issue. And next, certainly don't look at someone else and say that person right there must have done something wrong or they wouldn't be in this position they're in. I shared this with the Sunday school class. I'll share it with you. I, I really struggle in this area right here. I am very much a personal responsibility guy. Talk to anybody who knew my wife and my kid. I'm, I don't hear no excuses about this. That's, that's just the way I am. You know what you got to do? Get up and do it. I mean, it's, that's just the way I am, okay? I know different people always try to look at the softer side of things. Um, I don't hear that. No excuses. Get up. Let's, let's get this done. But at the same token, that has crept into my spirit a little bit, folks. And there's been times, at the, whether it's at the altar, or whether it's I know things about people. And yeah, are they in some bad positions because of some choices they made? They are. But what has happened in my spirit a little bit, because I know that, I've had a tendency, especially when it comes time to pray for them, to be judgmental. To say, well, you know what? If they quit doing so-and-so, they wouldn't be in this mess. They're going to walk right in and keep doing it. Come right in. And, and I might be right in that in my flesh. But I will tell you in my spirit, God's been convicting me of that. Because it, it is one thing, it is pride. And if you know anything about God's word, the Bible says that pride goes before a bump in the road. Is that what it says? It goes before destruction. Okay, and I'll tell you where else it leads to. If I'm not careful, if I don't get a hold of that thing, it can lead to that, fair, what they, that Pharisee spirit that Jesus talked about in Luke uh, chapter 18, verse 9. When, and this, this goes along so much with what Michael said is when the Pharisee came in, and he's standing there. They both come into the temple to pray. And this is what Jesus is struggling. He said, to some of you who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and one a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. He said, God, I think I'm not like these men over here. And, and quite frankly, that's, that's where this leads if, God, if I don't listen to the prompting of God's Spirit in my heart. I, I ain't like this people. I, I'm not, I've never been divorced, and I, I, my kids will do good, and I, and, and I, I give my tithes, and I do this. I'm, I'm not like these people over here. That's, that's that Pharisee spirit. That's where it'll lead. If, when God starts to deal with my spirit, if I don't get a hold of that thing, that's where it'll lead. And that's what Jesus was dealing with. But then he talks about the tax collector and his spirit. He says, but the tax collector stood at a distance. When I'd even look up to heaven, beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And he said, I tell you, this man rather than the other went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humble, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And that's not to say that I, you know, if someone is dealing with a sin issue, they need to deal with it. They need to repent and put that thing behind them. And if I'm in a position to have a relationship with them, and I'm going to hope to be able to talk with them about that. But I'm not going to come in and point my finger at people and say, look at what you're doing, look at what I'm doing. Because I don't want to get into that Pharisee spirit. Because every time I get there too, I remember those words of Jesus where he said, to whom much is given, much is expected. 
And there's a lot of times I feel that where he says, you know, you are helpful. I have given you resources. I have done these things for you. What are you doing to help build my kingdom? And that's the spirit I hope to keep within myself. As I read this, as I studied this, I found come across this statement here. And I want to read it to you. And I, I remind myself of it constantly. It says this. It says, when you, don't know what circ- when you don't know what someone's been through or what circumstances have conditioned them, be quiet. If you need to talk about it, talk to God. And I, I think that's a good statement. I, that's a good statement for me. If, if Brother Dan, Brother Morris, Sister Antoinette, they could tell you, if, if a message don't speak to you, it won't speak to anybody else. And as I put this together, it, a lot of this is for me. I want you to know that. So I hope it will speak to you because it certainly has spoke to me. And when he says, be quiet, don't talk about it, we're in a different generation. So I want to add this little caveat to it. Don't put it on Facebook. Okay, if you're a Facebooker here, don't put it on Facebook. If somebody trusts you enough or allows you enough, and I hope as God's people, we have enough relationships with our family and our coworkers that you get a chance to talk to people spiritually. I hope you do because God, God's command us to do that. But if you get to have a conversation with them, and let me, let me say this. And I know some of you have experienced this. If you're out talking to your co-workers, your friends, or your relatives, and, you, and you're able to get into a spiritual conversation, you're going to start talking to them a little bit, you're going to find out people got some messed up doctrine. They do. Because you know where they, they, don't, they don't get their doctrine where they used to get it. 20, 30, certainly 40 years ago, doctrine came out of a good, sound doctrine church. Today it comes from Facebook or it comes from a televangelist and not all those are bad so i'm not i'm not saying that either it comes from somebody who who's never read god's word and got a got a came ordained off the internet and and so their doctrine's messed up and you might be the only sound doctrine they get and people when they talk to you about their spiritual matters it's very personal to them it is and so cherish it don't don't belittle it no matter how crazy it is and tell them the truth Tell them what God's Word says when they've got a messed up doctrine. Because somebody's got to tell them the truth. But don't, don't go and then say, guess, guess what so-and-so said or believes or this and that and the other. Cherish it. So first, when issues of life seize us or someone else, don't judge them and don't assume that someone's sinned or they've done something wrong. Second, seek godly counsel. I've never seen a time any more important than now when we need godly counsel. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. Notice that in, this, in my uh, key passage that it says that the test is common to man. The test is common to man. Whatever you're dealing with, somebody else has dealt with it. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, brother, uh, whether it's the loss of a, of a, of a spouse, Brother Morris, whether it's someone who's been diagnosed with cancer all of a sudden, whether it's a, a wayward youth, no, child, no matter what, somebody's dealt with it. And so find you somebody who's dealt with it, a good Christian brother or sister who's dealt with it, and, and, and talk to them. Counsel with them. Proverbs 15 and 22 says this, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Three areas where I think counsel is crucial. First, is relationships and family. If you're a young couple today, just married or trying to raise a family, I hope you've got a good as iron sharpens iron if you're a lady, lady, and certainly men because we're not, 
generally not quite as good as that as the ladies are. Men, I hope you have you a good as iron sharpens iron guy that you can talk to. If you, you're a young married couple, think of Michael and Christy. I'm sure they got counseling. Hayden and Layla are engaged. They've been counseling Pastor Banks. They've counseled Pastor Don. That's important. I have, I have every intention of sitting down and having a little conversation with him myself before he says I do. He needs to hear from his father, and he will. Relationships and family. Finances. Proverbs 13 and 18. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. I've never seen the likes when people go out and do things. Christians in the church and never spoke to anyone about it. Just went out and did it. Talk to somebody. If you're going to make a major financial decision, find somebody that you think can help you. And then lastly is life issues in general. We just need a good, as iron sharpens iron, counselor in our lives. Mine has been, number one, my father. My dad's been the best counselor I could have. Not necessarily in what he said to me, but what he showed me in the way he lived his life. My dad loves God. He's been faithful to God. He was faithful to my mother. He never really had to say much to me. I've just watched him through the years. And he's also counseled me verbally. But he's been a great counselor to me. Pastor Don, I've got two friends, Chris McKeel and Bob Schreiner. Both of these guys are good counselors to me. We get to sit down, we, eat for, we meet for lunch a lot, and we talk about spiritual things. And then Rick that runs the sound booth. I depend on him a lot at work. A lot of things, we've, decisions we've had to make, a lot of big issues we've had to deal with. It's nice to be able to go and sit down and talk to someone. Brother Dan and I recently had lunch. It was nice to sit down and talk to Brother Dan. Somebody who's more seasoned in the Lord than I am, a little bit older than I am, and talk to them. They, they, they've been there. Brother Morris has been there. Pastor Don has been there. If you missed that marriage seminar summit that, or, or, or training session that Pastor Don did last Sunday night, man, you, you missed something. Every young married couple should have been at that. I mean, that came, those instructions from marriage to intimacy marriage came from a pastor who has been counseling people about marriage issues for years why wouldn't I want to go be a part of that? It was important for me to be there. It really was. And, you know, I, I shared this with uh, Brother Dan. We had lunch the other day. When it comes to going to things, and, and, and I, I've shared this with my children, and I, I try to keep this spirit within myself. With my job, and your job, I'm sure a lot of times, you have to go to training seminars. A lot of times. And if you're like me, a lot of times you're like, please, not another seminar. I don't want to go to this thing. I, I, I know that. You know, why do I have to go to this? I mean, how many of you have been there? I know you have. I don't want to go to this thing. But I've often said to, to my kids and to myself, go to anything like that with an open mind. Because a lot of times you just might learn something. And I will say that's doubly true for seminars that relates to God's Word, Christian living. Maybe you know it. Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've got the certificates to show it. But you might just learn something if you'll go and listen to someone with an open mind and an open heart. Thirdly, so don't jump to conclusions that someone must have done something wrong. Find some good godly counsel. And thirdly, bring it to Jesus. Hebrews 4.16 says this, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive money, I'm sorry, mercy, and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yeah, you might find that too, but this is grace. I said before, if you have to talk about it, take it, take it, take it to the Lord.
I thank God. You know, I shared this with the Sunday school class last time. One of the problems, too, is that sometimes we have a tendency to want to over-spiritualize even obedience. I've seen people come. I, this has been a few years ago, several years ago, and you, I, none of you would know him. There was a gentleman here, and he'd been coming to the church for a while. Now, I, I, don't, I don't know if he was ever really had a real relationship with the Lord when I say this. So, but he certainly, I don't think, had become under the lordship of Jesus Christ. But he was living with the lady. Now, he said it, were, that it wasn't an intimate relationship is what the pastor told me. Now, I don't know. I'll leave that to him. But he came up one Sunday. He said, you know, I want God to help me. It's time for me to get married. I want to get married. Well, I was standing a couple people back, and there again, I'm the whoa kind of guy. You know, I kind of want to step in and say, listen, that, that's not a spiritual issue. That's an obedience issue. All you need to do is say, Sweetheart, after this service, one of two things is going to happen. I've had an encounter with the Lord here. You're moving out or I'm moving out, or we're going to see the preacher. It's that simple. I mean, it's obedience. And many times people take, especially in the, in the Pentecostal and in, in these matters of obedience to God's Word, we want to spiritualize. We won't come in and ask God to help us do something that He's commanded us to do. We don't do that. We decide at some point either I'm going to take this and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to do everything I can to put my life up underneath it, or, or I'm not. And we can all get there at separate points. There's been times my life wasn't underneath this like it needed to be. But I won't in, I won't in the process of trying to change it and say it didn't apply to me anymore. When I won't under it, it still applied to me. And people try to change it today. And it doesn't change. We change to fit it. We change to fit it. I told you I get a chance to listen to a lot of preachers and there was one speaking at one time, and he was talking about de- what a deist believed. And he, this particular preacher didn't believe that, and I, and I want to tell you where I'm at on this, too. I don't, and here's what classical deism believes. They believe that God has done for us the one thing we could not do for ourselves, and that's give us salvation through Jesus Christ. You, you cannot work hard enough for your salvation. That is a gift of God. And you have to receive it through faith, then it has to start working on your life, and you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But you, but you can't do that on your own. Outside of that, they don't believe that God interferes, intervenes in the affairs of man today. That's where they lost me, and we'll get back to that in a minute. I do. Because what they believe, they believe for dealing with the, the issues of life that we were talking about today, that God's given us two things. Because there's a lot of truth in this, and that's why I found it fascinating. Two things. He's given us reason and a brain and his word. Could you imagine how many problems people wouldn't have today if they took this right here, and put it in here. And that's how they made the decisions. And that's how they lived life. A lot of things that people come up to pray for. They wouldn't need prayer for. It would have never been an issue to begin with. That's true of me. There's been times in my life. If I'd have had it in its right place in my life. Maybe I wouldn't have dealt with some of the issues I dealt with. But I do believe that God interferes in affairs. I do believe Hebrews 4.16. When it says let us approach the throne of grace of God with confidence. So we may see mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You're dealing with something. You go to that throne of grace. There's mercy there to help you in your time of need. And God is faithful. You can trust the faithfulness of God. He will be faithful in all areas of your life, from the delivery room to the operating room. And some of you have experienced that. And you won't ever really begin to understand God's faithfulness until you're faithful to Him, until you've lived it for a while. There's too many people today that their faithfulness or their Trust in God is only when there's a crisis in life. 
when you get the doctor's report, when you lose your job, when those things happen, all of a sudden here they come and they, they, they want that mercy and grace of God, the, 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 the tests pass and off they go and who knows what they're doing then. But you, you begin to understand the faithfulness of God when you lived it day in and day out, when things are going good, when things aren't going so good. The song we say, I will bless the Lord. I'm blessed the Lord at all times. I'm going to bless Him when things are going good. I'm going to bless Him when things aren't going so good. And until you make that who you are, you're going to be like this. You are going to be a spiritual neurotic because you're going to be all over the place. You're never going to figure nothing out because you don't understand faithfulness because you've not been faithful to God. I told you about my dad. I, I get a chance to, to eat lunch with him every once in a while. I had lunch with him a couple, couple weeks ago. And he's been faithful to God. And he's, he's had a good life at times. But there's been some times it's been tough too. His wife was diagnosed with cancer at 30. That's what prompted them to rededicate their life to the Lord. So I think he would tell you he, he had to go through that, but it was worth it. Because this life is here is very short and eternity is very long. But, you know, I, I watched him lose a job because of his faith and, and go on public assistance. Yeah, we've been there. I watched him be faithful to my mom through many years of illness. I, he was there with her when she passed away. I just watched him be and still go to church and still pay his tithes and still do the things that God says he could. Has he been perfect in everything? No, he'll tell you he hasn't been. But it isn't hardly a time that goes by that I don't have lunch with that man, and he did this time, that he don't. We'll be talking about just different things, and he'll sit back, and a lot of times he'll cross his arms, and I'll just kind of see him gaze out the window or something, and he'll always say this. He'll say, Larry, God is faithful. And that only comes from a man who knows what it's like to live for God day in, day out, when things are going good, when things are going bad. And that's, that's just where we got to be. I thank God, and that's good for him, but he, God ain't got no grandchildren. And when I stand before the Lord, when you stand before the Lord, your, your daddy's not going to be there, your granddaddy's not going to be there, your mom and daddy's not going to be there. That's something you have to experience for yourself. But faithfulness comes from you being faithful to the Lord and seeing him faithful to you through your life. When you look back when you're old and gray hair and you see all the things, about, uh, issues of life you've dealt with and you realize God was with me every step of the way. Sometimes I don't even know if you even realize it while you're in the heart of that battle. But when it's over and you look back, you know he was there with you. He was there with you. David said this in Psalms 27, 13 through 14. He said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. David was confident. He, he was being chased. Brother Dan's been, been teaching on David his life. You talking about a man who experienced the ups and the downs of life. Now, he's being chased by Saul. Everybody wants to kill him. His son wants to kill him. But he said this, I would have lost heart unless I believed I'd see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He knew that he would see good, good, the goodness of the Lord in, the, in this life. I, I think too many Christians run around today and they're like, they're like Eeyore. How you doing today? Oh, I'm waiting on heaven, brother. I, we don't have to live like that. There's going to be times you're going to feel like that. There's going to be times you're going to be like, God, I wish you'd just come on back because I'm tired of this mess. But there's going to be times that you're just going to love life. Tammy and I just celebrated 25 years of wedding. Next week we're going on a cruise to celebrate that. Everything's going pretty good for us. But I'm under, under no disillusions that all of a sudden I can be stopped on a dime. And where am I going? To my knees. But you know what? I've been there before. I hadn't been there just when times were bad. I've been there when times were pretty good. Just saying, God, I love you. And praying for other people. And worshiping him. Praising his name. 
Times are good right now. That's good. But bad times might be coming. But it don't mean because I've done anything. It doesn't mean because he's mad at me. It means because it's part of life's journey. We're going to deal with it. Life's coming as us, as his believers. The difference between me and somebody else is I don't have to run to a bottle for an answer. I don't have to run to a bad relationship for an answer. I don't have to run to whatever else people run to for an answer. I got my hand in the hand of the man who stilled the water. And I know no matter what happens, and there will be times in my flesh, there's going to be times in your flesh you're not going to understand it, that you maybe not even feel his presence. But he's there. And it may be after you come out of it that you realize he's there, that he was there with me. He was there with me. And lastly, the Scripture says he'll make a way out. I, I don't know what that looks like for you. He'll make a way out. We've prayed for people before who were sick, and I, I want to see them sa- healed. You know, we had a, a two-year-old in our family, and my niece, Tammy's sister's daughter, you know, get cancer as a two-year-old or rare cancer. Who, who understands that? We prayed as a family. We had people all over this world praying for that child. She passed away. I don't understand that. But I know this. this. This world's not my home. This world's not her home. And I know that I know that one day I'll see Lily again because of my faith in Jesus Christ. I know that. And I'm closing with this. I'm going to ask the praise team, if they will, to, to come back up. I told you, people have some messed up doctrine these days. But I'll tell you this. I, I don't know how you segue into to witnessing the people. I hope you do witness. I know some of you do a lot. But we're all called to, to witness to our, you know, in general. But certainly to our people we have relationships with. And sometimes, for me, it's a hard segue. How, how do I move, you know, it, it can be odd at times if I'm gone and we're just talking about something at work to say. So how's your spiritual relationship today? You going to heaven? You know, because it, it, it can get a little weird. But I'll tell you what I've chosen to use here lately, and, and maybe it'll help you. No matter what people think about spiritual issues, they know something's going on in our world today. That, things are weird. Now, I'm not talking about just here in the United States. I'm talking about in our whole world today. We, we, we did a study in John Hagee's Four Blood Moons in Sunday school a few months ago. And it's four blood moons. It says something's about to change. I just feel like in my spirit something's about to change. I think Christ is coming back. I know he's coming back. I don't know when he's coming back. I'm not here to tell you he's coming back tomorrow or the next week or whatever. But it's a great segue because people are talking about what's going on in the world. Israel's under attack by Hamas back and forth all the time. Christians are being killed just for their faith in the Middle East. It's, my heart has been so burdened for that here lately. I mean... I think about here as an American and as a blessed American and I watch the news and I see these, Ameri- these Christians. My, they're our brothers and sisters in the Lord and they're being persecuted. And it just, I, I, all I can do is pray, and, but that's, that's what we got to do is pray. And I, and I just see all these things happening in the world. And so that's always an easy segue in. We, everybody, if you just start talking about the United States and then the world, people are, they listen to that. And then all you have to do is say, you know, I think it's time, if you haven't, to take a real spiritual inventory. Where are you? If Christ was to come back today, and if you don't believe in the rapture, because some people don't believe in the rapture, what if you, no matter what they believe about the rapture, nobody's going to be crazy enough to say, I ain't going to die. We're all going to die. If you died, where are you going to spend eternity? The Bible says, 
that if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you've made him your Savior and your Lord, heaven's your home. If you choose to reject that, there's a place separate from God called hell. And, and, and most people know that, but I don't know that they really believe it. Some, so, someone said, show me how you live your life and I'll show you what your doctrine is. So that, I want to close with that. I, if everyone would uh, bow your head and close your eyes. How about you today? If you died today, and I, you know, where would you spend eternity? Is heaven going to be your home? And I'm going to ask them to just start playing uh, lightly. Yes. And if heaven, if you don't know that heaven would be your home, I want you to come up here and let us pray for you. And I, and I want to put aside this thing that you're going to walk up here and you accept Jesus as your Savior and all of a sudden things in your life are going to be perfect. There may be some things you struggle with you won't struggle with. I believe that the sanctification process is progressive. But you are going to have to make some decisions in your life. And it might be hard. But eternity is a long time. And so I'm, going to just, I'm not going to wait long, but I want to say, if you don't know for sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, I want you to come up here and let us pray for you. Let us tell you what that means, what that means for us. And at some point, you'll need to make Him Lord of your life. You need to make Him Lord of your life as soon as you're saved. And you start, start working on some things. Maybe He's going to start. He's still working on things in my life. He's still working on things in my life. It's important. You know, this particular man, when I talk about it, I haven't grown up. I grew up in Pentecost Church. It was a very, very legalistic church. And so I don't mind telling you that it took me a long time to get my the image of who God is and who I am in Him straight. It took me a long time. Because I just saw Him as a, a God that just wanted to send, He was just an itchy trigger finger to send me to hell. I just, I really felt that. But He loves me. And I've come to know that. And so now I try to live my life for Him because of the love that I have for Him from coming to know Him, not because I'm afraid of Him. And so I wouldn't want you to come here for, out of fear. I want you to come here out of love for what was done for you on the cross. The God of heaven, the King of kings, came down, became flesh, and hung on the cross and died for my sins so I could have eternity. Unfortunately, us as Americans, we've heard that so much we've become desensitized to it, myself included. Okay, lastly, if there's anyone here and you have a prayer need, we're going to ask everyone to just come up. Let's come to the altar. We're going to ask for prayer requests and close our service with prayer. You know, this wouldn't be a popular message amongst the hyper-faith folks either. I remember Pastor Don telling me recently that you all heard it when he was over in England preaching. He was preaching something along the struggle of life, and he said that somebody stood up and pointed at him and said, that's heresy. There are people that believe that you know, if you've got something going on in your life, if there's sickness in your life, or something, that you must not have enough faith. And man, that'll crush your spirit. God loves you. And He has not promised us that this life, contrary to another popular belief, He's not contrary, uh, guaranteed us everything in this life is going to be wonderful. It's not. 
But when you have a relationship with him, when life is good, man, it's great. You can enjoy it. He came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. And when life comes our way with hard things and it's going to, he promises us that peace that passes understanding that we can deal with. It.